Hello, Conspirituality listeners. This bonus sample comes to you from our early access Patreon collection called Swan Song Series, in which we examine the historical and cultural roots that inform and fuel the Teal Swan spectacle. The full version of this episode will show up on this feed sometime in the future, but if you'd like to hear it now and support our growing research and publishing initiatives, please pledge $5 a month at patreon.com slash conspirituality for access to this and hundreds of hours of bonus media. Okay, so I said I had headings. Um, First heading, uh, thesis, moral panics turn people into abstractions. Okay, so our focus today is on the fact that from Sybil to Lawrence Pazder to the McMartin trial to the Martinsville trial to Barbara Snow to Teal Swan, we are moving through testimony and literature that takes the reality of power and sex abuse and twists it into exaggerated fantasies that generate emotional contagion, moral panicry, and a lot of lucrative media. And my sense is that on a social level, it's a way of pretending to address a painful problem while really only kind of guiltily enjoying its spectacle. And when I say pretending, I'm not implying intentional lying, but rather like feeling as if one is doing a thing. Because I think that we can be sure that the moral panicry is a pretense that can't solve the problem because the problem always comes back in new but familiar forms. So on one level, this arc from Sybil to Lawrence Pazder to McMartin to Martinsville to Barbara Snow to Teal Swan describes the ongoing suffering of a culture plagued by domestic intimate forms of partner and child abuse. But on another level, that same arc describes a perennial inability to actually dig in and face the very common tragedies in our own backyards, uh, the things we have to overlook so the lights stay on. Now, a few episodes ago, we contrasted the Catholic horror film genre with the rise of the 1970s slasher film. And our, I think the point that we batted back and forth was that the Catholic horror film uh, is built on the idea of metaphysical warfare, whilst the slasher genre seems to capitalize on this pure existential dread. But those slashers were also a deflection in a sense, because they emerged during a period of intense disillusionment with the American dream and post-war promises. And they come from a country that knows that its boys, its boys from the neighborhood, boys that they knew are on kind of a Joseph Campbell or no, the other one, (laughs) Joseph Conrad. Yeah. Joseph Conrad type mission in Vietnam, shooting civilians in villages. So how much easier it is to offload that guilt into or onto the psychotic Michael Myers who cuts down innocence in the suburbs. So it, it seems that both the slasher and the satanic panic attempt to expiate guilt, but in so doing, they kind of kick the can down the road. Now, this is interesting, Matthew, because you, you, you've used this word slasher several times. And I feel like in terms of the, 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 the evolution of the horror genre during this period, right, you have... You have the films that we've mostly referenced, which are the, they're possession films, right? They're films about the child who is possessed by by a demon. They're films about the uh, the uh, reactionary uh, old school uh, 
more fundamentalist, more uh, more initiated into the ways of the supernatural priest coming along to do battle with Satan. And then there's there's the next turning of the wheel in terms of this uh, religious preoccupation and how it shows up in horror movies where you now have these slashers like Michael Myers that you're referring to. It's interesting. Um, uh, yeah, it's it, b- because because then with then then you have it's not just the child who has been corrupted uh, by a demon, the innocent child, usually a girl who is possessed. Now you have these usually more male young men who are turned are turned into sort of demonic serial killers. It's like it's like it's like the demon possessed child grows up and somehow switches <laughs> genders, right? Well, or or that the 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 boy that you knew mm. comes home from war mm. and he doesn't have a face. There you go. And, and instead of, and instead of admitting that you sent him there to kill people, you pretend that he's killing people in your neighborhood. Mm. It, it's a very convenient kind of, uh, um, expiation effort. Yeah. And then the next turn of that wheel is going to be that, that all of the teenagers who are, who are engaging in, you know, illicit sex and and uh, having parties while the parents are out of town. They're going to be the the victims in the slasher film that that ends up having more of this kind of postmodern sort of self. Um, you know, it's like tongue in cheek in a certain way, but it's but it's very very gory. There was something else just a little further back here too. Oh, I just wanted to say you drew this line from Sybil to Pazder to McMartin to Martinsville to Barbara Snow to Teal Swan somewhere in that mix too are the West Memphis Three, right? Who are sent to jail, accused of being satanic uh, murderers, who accused of killing these three young boys uh, in a satanic ritual when most likely it seems like one of the boys' stepfathers, to your point, right? That the, the domestic, the, the ugliness of just the normal, banal, horrific uh, domestic abuse and violence is projected onto this gory fantasy. Right. I mean, whether it involves... Satan or the neighborhood psychotic, um, I think we're always looking at forms of mass transference and bypassing. I think we're looking at distractions, uh, convenient fictions. And I think in relation to our overall project here at the podcast, it's a core dynamic we run up against over and over again, that the culture knows something is amiss with government, with healthcare with education, with capitalism, with consumerism. And the culture is not wrong, but it has this amazing talent for inventing solutions that offload guilt and and perpetuate tragedy. You know, it's it's kind of fascinating because we've spent a lot of time looping back to think about, okay, what what has made like yoga and wellness or the new age, however we want to refer to this demographic, what, what has made them susceptible to getting red-pilled? And to turning into these conspiritualist influencers and acolytes that we've that we've covered, and I think there's an interesting potential aspect of spiritual bypass here, where if we're if we're bypassing the ordinary suffering of being human, if we're bypassing the reality that bad things do happen to good people, and that you can't control your reality through the power of your thoughts, and that actually you might have to deal with your grief and face your trauma in very real and unglamorous ways, and do the gradual work of like you know, making peace with, with the difficulties of, of your life, uh, perhaps in sort of a psychotherapeutic process or just, just a, a maturing process that I think uh, a lot of new age spiritual bypassing 
um, tendencies uh, really limit. They really prevent that that process from happening. And I and I think it's it's actually what you know individually and collectively a lot of people are are longing for without realizing it. The deeper you go into that, I feel like at some point all of the disowned material has to go somewhere. And so that's also part of the vulnerability to to uh, QAnon style stuff and to the the sort of thing that that we see Teal Swan getting swept up in or there's a remixing of the satanic panic. And, and doesn't it make sense that if that if it's all um, buried or or uh, compressed in similar ways within a similar demographic, mm-hmm. that a particular story will begin to grasp the fascination? Uh, of and and lead and lead people out of and lead people out of that kind of pressure. Yeah, and you know what? I'm having a realization right now that's actually very helpful. So, in terms of the stuff I shared about being in anaphoris orbit and the process I went through uh, around my family and around sort of false memory syndrome, I'm realizing right now that I, I saw entering into a spirituality that had this component of like dealing with your repressed memories, dealing with your disowned shadow. I saw it as an antidote to new age spiritual bypass, which I had been caught up in in my early twenties, but really it's, it's sort of the next, it's the next stage of this kind of um, dynamic. And it's, it's now like, the way to become a heroic, enlightened spiritual seeker is to confront this gruesome, fantastical story that we that we can all share in collectively within a sort of cultish mentality. Uh, that's wild. 